Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. Hey, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. How's everything in the horse nutrition world these days? Things are good. No complaints here. Yeah, yeah. As you transition from fall and winter and the weather and get out riding and... You know, it's just, I think it's an exciting time of year always. Yes, I love this time of year and I bought a new horse. So extra oh, horse fun. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that in the next few podcasts. Well, then, then I should ask you, you know, are you feeling, are you going to feed them a pelleted or textured feed? Ooh, interesting question. Mm-hmm. So I feed Senior Sport and Essential K at home. Those are the two feeds I already had on hand. But this particular horse came off like a sweet type feed. So it worked really well to transition him onto senior sport, which is textured and has some molasses on it. That is something maybe we should talk about in this episode. Like, how do you make some decisions when you're transitioning horses? No, but- I, I, we didn't plan this. We didn't plan this, right? We did not plan <laughs> this. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, but I have no real preference, pellet or texture. It just yeah. happens to be what I have at home at the moment that fits the rest of my program. Yeah, that, oh, it's per- this is perfect timing. This is perfect timing because because I think later, you know, talking about to determine which one you do feed. So talking about how you're working with your own horse, I think the listeners will, will like that. To start this off, I guess it, just to kind of a broad overview, what are the differences in horse feeds? I mean, we're going to focus mainly on pelleted and textured, but you do see some extruded feeds too, correct? That is correct. So thinking about your different categories, pelleted feeds, you know, that's going to be everything all gets mixed together, put through a pellet dye, and you have a single pellet. Textured feeds are going to be this combination of generally a pellet, which is kind of where a lot of your nutrition sits, but sometimes you'll still see places used just like a loose mineral, and we could talk about issues with that. And then other loose ingredients, they could be things like corn oats and barley, they could be beet pulp in our wholesome blends feed. Those are textured feeds. They have sweet potatoes and peas and carrots as different loose ingredients. So textured is going to be this combination of different ingredients. And then extruded is similar to pellets, but the extrusion process is under more heat. And they actually, if you look at them, they look kind of like puffed a little bit. Think about your dog food kibble. That is an extruded feed. So sometimes you see extruded particles, um, like nuggets, inside a textured feed or paired with a pelleted feed. So you can get all sorts of different interesting combinations. Focusing in, you know, I guess more the differences between a pelleted feed and a textured feed, you briefly talked about it, but can we talk more about like how, because when I look at the ingredients, you know, beet pulp and soybeans and all the things that you add in a pelleted feed, how it's being made there in the mill behind you, which I've been to the mill at their tribute. And I just love the smells walking in and it, it just, how do you take all those ingredients and get it to a pellet? Okay. Interesting question. So the big picture is you start with all your ingredients. Some of them have to be further processed before you even start. Cause if your particle size is really big, it'd be too big to actually get into a pellet. Um, so for some ingredients, that means grinding or different things like that happen beforehand, but you get them to, 
a relatively small particle size, and then they go into a mixer. So in the mixer, you know, we have scales and an electronic monitoring system that measures everything, actually down to like the tenth or the hundredth of a pound, depending on what type of ingredient you're talking about. So all of that gets put in a mixer where it's mixed. From there, it kind of moves through a process where essentially what you're adding is moisture in the form of steam, which makes it really hot. And then you have this steamy mush that gets pressed through a pellet dye. Almost like if you think about um, Play-Doh, the little different things you can push it through, that's kind of the process. So there are different dyes. So you might see a cubed feed, which is a much larger diameter than a regular pelleted feed. You might see mini pellets like we use in a textured blend sometimes. So the size is dependent on the type of pellet dye but it gets pushed through the pellet dye. So that's all high heat kind of binds it together. And then from there, you actually have to cool it down, pull the moisture back out, and then it moves through the process to bagging and all of that stuff. I always find that, that process fascinating and, and watching it happen in it, it, it it's just amazing how it, 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 the engineers that have designed all this stuff, it, it's just always fun uh, to learn about. But what are some of the benefits of feeding pellets? I mean, a large benefit is that it's super consistent. So there's been a lot of research that's gone into the particle size of your different ingredients, the size of your mixer, the mix times, like it's, it's art and science combined. And all of that research is done in order to make sure we have the correct amount in the mixer, mixing for the correct time, all of that fun stuff to get a very consistent blend. So then by the time it gets to your horse, every single pellet is consistent. So you don't have sorting or waste issues that you might have with a textured blend. I know kind of in the past, like thinking about when pellets were first introduced, there was maybe this feeling that, oh, you use a pellet so you could hide stuff in it and it's, you know, less desirable ingredients. And I definitely would not say that is true today, at least for us. But even beyond that, it allows me to utilize some ingredients that if I was doing just a textured blend, I couldn't necessarily get a horse to easily eat, even though they might be really healthy, great ingredients in the overall blend. If I threw them in loose in a textured blend and they were really fine, they might go to the bottom or they were a little less palatable. They might not eat that individual ingredient. But when I put it in a pellet, it gives me so much flexibility on good ingredient use. And then what the horse eats is all very, very consistent. Now, saying that, what are some of the drawbacks, like why some people don't feed pellets or wouldn't want to feed pellets? You know, a lot of it is usually personal preference, to be honest. There are some horses who are pickier about pellets. So Sometimes I will push someone towards a textured feed because I might have a little bit more palatable options available to them with similar specs. And then, you know, horses can choke. Sometimes if it's happening on pellets, I might push them towards a textured feed. So when choking happens, a horse eats something. It's not always grain. I've seen horses choke on all sorts of things. It can be grass, it can be hay, it can be treats. But what happens is you get something stuck in their esophagus and it can't move all the way through. So if you have a horse who eats really quickly or has really poor dentition and they're not breaking down a pellet very well, it increases our risk of choke. So if you said to me, Nicole, I, my horse has choked in the past on a pelleted feed, I might say, hey, let's look at a textured feed because those different textures sometimes slow a horse down a little bit. 
I've seen a horse choke on alfalfa cubes and it just, oh, it was the scariest thing ever. Like, it's just like, you thought she was, I thought she was going to die. It was a polo pony. It's like, no, she's, oh, she's such a beautiful <laughs> yeah. horse. They're in a lot of discomfort while it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. She was fine. But yeah, it, it, then we ended up, well, what, isn't it true? Just as a side topic really quick, you could soak them. Right to, to to kind of prevent that choking because that uh, the the student that fed her the alfalfa cubes didn't soak them to break them up so she just bolted it and just got all that alfalfa in her mouth and choked. Yeah, absolutely. A really dry alfalfa cube that they don't break down very much that would be prime choke territory because it's dry, yeah. it's hard, they can gulp it down. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 an important lesson for that that student. Now switching gears, you talked about why you would feed a texture feed. I guess just kind of describe what a texture feed is and and how you make it. So for us, a texture feed is going to be a mixer pellet and that has all your added vitamins, minerals, usually a lot of your protein source, your amino acids, your pre and probiotics, all of that stuff is packed into that mixer pellet. So that goes through the same pelleting process as a pelleted feed. And then it goes to a secondary mixer where it's mixed with your other textured ingredients. And again, those could be, Anything, typically it's more like whole grains, but anything you might have a desire to have loose in the feed. So corn, oats, beet pulp, barley, those would be very common textured ingredients. Generally, you're also going to add some molasses on it. Not always. I've seen some dry textured blends, but you typically want some molasses on a textured feed to help kind of things stick together, increase palatability, stuff like that. So... I did mention earlier, not everyone uses a mixer pellet like we would. So sometimes you'll see a texture blend where they've just thrown loose minerals, vitamins, that stuff in there. And especially if it doesn't have much molasses on it, I've gotten samples where I can actually see all of that stuff has settled out in the bottom of the bag. So that would be a prime example where even if the horse isn't specifically sorting, if all the fine stuff kind of settles towards the bottom, it's not consistent in every scoop of feed. And a lot of times it would get left behind at the bottom of the feeder. So prime example of how a textured blend, the horse wouldn't be getting consistent nutrition or some of those ingredients, which frankly, that's a lot of the reason we feed a bagged feed is to get vitamins, minerals, amino acids into them. Just don't end up in the horse's bucket if it falls out of the blend. Now you mentioned molasses is because, you know, looking up on this topic, it, it is, are we feeding less molasses than we used to because, you know, concerns with, you know, metabolic horses or, you know, would you suggest a, a texture feed for a metabolic horse? Ooh, good question. In some situations, I might recommend a low NSC textured feed to a metabolic horse. So there's kind of two components of this that I sometimes think get confounded. One is the molasses itself. I mean, there's definitely sugar in molasses, Part of it's the amount you put on the blend. The other part is your traditional textured feeds that had corn, oats, barley. Those are even higher in NSC than your molasses is. So once you put all of those together, you end up with this super high NSC feed. So if you think about it, you know, your molasses is probably around 60% NSC. All of it comes from sugar. Corn is 75%. Oats are 55%. Barley's uh, somewhere in the 70s as well. So when you put all that together with limited mixer pellet, you can see how you get a super high NSC blend. So part of it's the molasses. A lot of it's the choice of the other stuff 
that goes in the blend. That doesn't mean you can't create a textured feed that has a high inclusion of mixer pellets and maybe just a little bit of molasses or a sprinkle of oats or whatever to still end up with a low NSC blend. So I think separating the discussion of sugars, starches, and texture type is good. You're absolutely going to get your lowest NSC in a pellet because we're just avoiding all of those types of ingredients. And some of the ingredients that are super low NSC, like I said, aren't as palatable. So a horse would pick around them if you put them in your textured blend by themselves. As a whole, I think we've definitely shifted towards feeding lower NSC, even in our textured feeds than we did in the past. We definitely have textured feeds in our line. They're higher NSC than if they have a pelleted counterpart, but they're not just the super sticky sweet feed that's mostly corn, oats, and barley like we used to see in the past, or sometimes we still see, like that horse I just bought was on a blend like that. And then just for the for the listeners that you know might be new to the podcast, we we we, we often talk about low NSC and that's non-structural carbohydrates. So when Dr. Rambo was talking about sugar, starches, really we're trying to get diets lower in NSC for our horses because it, it does lead to metabolic issues. Now the benefits of a texture feed, I, I think you've kind of covered it, but you know, more palatable is the big one, right? That's what everybody goes to. I remember anytime you take a sweet feed, who doesn't love a sweet feed? You know, when you go scoop it, you get that whiff of aroma of molasses and you're like, oh, the horse is just going to love this. You know, who I, wouldn't love it? I remember being wildly disappointed as a child when I tasted sweet feed and it didn't <laughs> yes. taste as good as it smelled. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, but yes, textured feeds in general would be more palatable than many pellets. That's not to say that we don't have super palatable pellets. But if I've kind of gone through my gamut of pelleted feeds and a horse still is a picky eater, yeah, I will absolutely try some textured options, assuming that they're appropriate health-wise overall for the horse. We talked about, you know, horses that bolt feed, a textured feed can be helpful in slowing them down in those different textures. Right. You know, you, you, you've mentioned some others up when we we're talking about pellets. Now, what would be some of the drawbacks of a textured feed? I mean, just sorting, is that the big one? But could there be some other issues? Sorting is one. The other one would be just a, a lower shelf life. So if we compare a pellet to a textured feed, simply because you're adding additional molasses to it, it's going to decrease your shelf life. One of the things you'll notice on a textured feed as it ages, it dries out. So that kind of takes away some of the desire to feed a textured feed because you're kind of looking for that soft wetness of a molasses coated feed. And then in the winter, as we are moving into winter, the other thing that happens is those feeds will break up. So as the molasses gets cold, I mean, basically your feedback kind of turns into a big granola bar. So that <laughs> that makes it a little more difficult at feeding time. Right. I do have a tip for that. One thing is just thinking about how you store your feed. If it's negative 30, there's not a whole lot you can do to prevent that from freezing. So maybe a textured or molasses coated feed, because, you know, you can put molasses on pellets as well. Maybe that's not the right choice in the winter for you. But... If you take a bag that is bricked up and turn it on its side and then put your knee in the middle of the bag, so this would be the gusset of the bag, the real narrow part, really that feed breaks right up and it's easy to pour. So it doesn't take 
a whole lot usually to break it apart, which is funny because doing that works really well. But I've had people say like I was chipping at it from the top and all of these things that does not work well. But while it is still closed, flip it up on its side, put your knee in the middle of that. And that usually breaks it apart really well. We never had that problem when I lived in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) probably not. But, you know, in Florida, it's going to dry out more quickly. Yes, yes. So you do have, yep, some some toss-up. If if you guys could see me, Chris and I are on video, and I'm just tossing my hands in the air like a crazy person. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it could get moldy, right? Like, that's the other thing. With, I was thinking with the humidity and the, and the heat of the summer. or uh, Yeah, like that, that is yeah. that's absolutely a risk. Okay. Pelleted feed can mold as well. It does have a little longer shelf life. But when you add molasses, you're adding a little bit of moisture. It's not going to dramatically increase your mold risk if it's within its normal shelf life, but as it gets beyond its shelf life, which is shorter. Yeah, that's definitely a risk. All right. So what, how do, you know, you talked about this new horse. How are you going to determine to feed pelleted or textured? Now at Tribute, we have feeds that are in both forms, right? So if you can briefly talk about that, is there, are there any differences nutritionally and then how would you determine which form to feed, a pellet or a textured? Good question. So we do have not every feed, but a lot of times in families of feed, you may see there are pelleted and textured versions. So we can talk about Calm and Easy, for example. Calm and Easy pelleted. We have multiple kind of versions of the pelleted. And it's cousin, Calm and Easy Textured. So in the case of Calm and Easy Textured, it's pellets with a small inclusion of oats and a splash of oil on the outside. It is a tick higher in NSC. So Calm and Easy Pelleted is 13.5% NSC. Calm and Easy Textured is 16.5% NSC. So that's a good example of a feed that, yeah, it's textured, but it's still very low NSC. It is, in this particular case, Similar in its specs, except that instead of being 8% fat, like the pelleted version, 7% fat, but you're bringing in some additional calories through that increase in NSC from the oats. So calorie-wise, they're very similar. I generally steer people towards the pelleted version, but if your horse needs just a little bit of interest, the textured version absolutely can be a good option. I mentioned I feed Senior Sport. They don't have the same name, but Senior Sport and Resolve which is pelleted, are super, super similar. If you look at the two of them, they're both 14% protein, 10% fat. They're high fiber. Both count as senior feeds. When I make the decision between Resolve and Senior Sport for my own use, I had a really picky horse who palatability lies liked the Senior Sport better. So that's kind of how I chose between two very similar feeds that met my other needs. High fat because of feeding hard keepers lower NSC. They're both 16 to 17% NSC right in there. And then high fiber. So some horses, maybe they don't like the loose beet pulp shreds. So senior sport is pellets, loose beet pulp shreds with oil and a little bit of molasses on the outside. Maybe they don't like that. You use the resolve, which is pelleted instead. So, you know, we briefly touched on my new horse. He's adorable. I'm obsessed. But um, I know. So that horse, you know, the people I bought him from, that barn was feeding a very traditional sweet type feed. If I were to bring him home and put him right on a pellet, 
there it is possible that he just wouldn't find that as palatable because I say it's basically going from like feeding him cupcakes and it's mostly corn and oats to feeding mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. bran muffins in yes. just a plain pellet. Bran muffins taste good, but not if they are consumed yeah, right yeah, yeah. directly after a cupcake. So it kind of worked in my favor already that I had senior sport in the barn. But if I was starting from scratch, that may be a decision that I made was that, well, I know this horse is used to something that's super sweet. It would be a big jump to take him to calm and easy pellet. But maybe I think about something either with a little molasses on the outside. So Calm Ultra and Resolve do have a tiny bit of molasses on the outside, even though they're pellets. Or something like the Senior Sport that still gives him the interest of being a textured feed. And it does have that little bit of molasses, which makes it more palatable as well. The other component, this horse is an okay hay eater. Like he gets free choice hay, but I'd love if he ate more. Senior sport is really high in fiber. So I know that he's consuming as much hay as he wants to. I'm really complimenting his forage intake with a high fiber feed because I think that's just an overall match for that particular horse's needs. So those are things you can think about even within, let's say I've decided to go for textured. We have other 10% fat textured feeds in our line that would be very palatable and otherwise appropriate for this horse. However, the high fiber was a factor as well. So that's how I kind of went to senior sport. Well, if you are having trouble out there deciding, oh, I don't know what to feed, pellets, textured, what's this extruded stuff? Reach out to the tribute team, please. The, the, the link's always in there. I, when I was thinking about this topic, I always put myself in the listener's shoes. What do you want to hear And how can we help you? Because that's what Dr. Rambo and I want to do. We want to help you make your life easier and keep your horses healthy and happy. So if you are confused or you need some advice, please reach out to the tribute team and they will help you uh, walk you through this process. That's what you do. Like you, you, you field a lot of phone calls sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. We are always happy to help. And I mean, this like little thought process I just talked through the new horse to you, like our team members are happy to do that with you as well. I bought a new horse. This is what he's been eating. What nutritionally makes sense for this horse? And then also keeping in mind, oh, he might be a little picky or has a history of choke. Like all those different factors also play a role, which makes it, I mean, that's why we have a million different horse feeds available because there are so many different variables, but we always love to help you narrow it down and find the right fit for your horse. And then I tell people, all right, this is plan A. Let's talk in 30 or 60 days and adjust if we need to. It's always a dynamic situation. So what's working for this horse today, if a couple things change, we might need to change. We're happy to work through those situations as they come up. Definitely. And that link's in the show notes, but we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing these episodes and just stay tuned next week for another great episode. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.